Front office, please hold. Hello, everyone. This is Jethro, and I am here because I lost a bet. So I am hosting today's show. As always, I am here with my boy, the birthday boy from yesterday, Mr. Kyle Kirkwood, and the teacher with the mostest, Mr. Kevin Kelly. So how you boys doing today? So much better after that intro. <laughs> I think my favorite is next week when Kyle resumes hosting, he needs to imitate your intro to the show as a host. Hello. Just like, just like that'll be the impersonation <laughs> that Kyle does next week is the Jethro starting his first hosting duties. It's like it's like <laughs> Uncle Leo from Seinfeld. Fellas, hello. <laughs> Hey, Remember your cousin from the box department, Jerry? <laughs> Jeffrey, your cousin Jeffrey from the box department. Are you ashamed oh, of your uncle? <laughs> you know what's I'm funny, not though? Dad, what are you talking about? <laughs> hey, listen, you know what's funny is this isn't my first hosting gig because back when we were playing at Ottawa U, I was a host at the keg. I was the only male host. And it oh, was great. Right. That's right. And Chris and, and Chris Moskal, shout out to Chris Moskal, was one of our bus boys. So I would order him around at work. It was fantastic. That is awesome. I forgot about that little tidbit of tidbit of history right there. Old <laughs> <laughs> bus boy outfit. Yeah. Uh, be like, hey, you flathead, come here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Shout out to Muscle, though. I love that, dude. I love that. Dude. So, without further ado, uh, first and foremost, uh, today's show, as always, is brought to you by PBTP Smokehouse and the Smoke Shack, right? Is that, did I say that right? Did I say that right? Uh, the Little Shack uh, is uh, closed for the winter. So, if you are looking to make an order, you have to punch in <laughs> the special promo code. You have to do something. <laughs> the special promo code. Kevin, give it to us, baby. Bop 10. <laughs> for, all, for all your uh, <laughs> uh, smoke shack needs. Uh, I'm being too loud and because I have this this spiced rum and ginger ale in my did veins. You destroy, in my veins. Did you destroy the acronym for Beyond the Pale as well? Yeah. No, I start. I said, you know why? It's because I said BTP, but you the urban in P. me, the, the urban in me, wanted to say DTP. You know, disturbing <laughs> the peace with ludicrous. Yeah, so you know, my bad, my bad, my apologies, <laughs> and I'm gonna try not to burp. But our other sponsor is Human 2.0, my area of employment. Uh, for all your rehab needs, you can find us at human2.0.com. So, today's show, 
is, as you can see, already a shit show. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we're going to try and make it through anyway. But today, uh, there won't be any constantly improving. But what we will have, as usual, is um, one of our favorite segments. Uh, I only drink coffee on the weekends, but I love it when I hear Kevin grind some beans. Grinding beans. Is this my turn? Am I going? Yep. (laughs) Okay, so I'm up. It's my turn. I have something to grind this week. And it's going to be a little, it might be a little longer. It's going to be very focused on what everyone's talking about right now. And it is, of course, the Chicago Blackhawks. I want to say scandal, but uh, I think the best word here is crime. The crime that was committed by the Chicago Blackhawks organization back in 2010. And in my opinion, since it happened up until now, the, the obstruction of justice that's gone on, if you're not aware of it, um, uh, two unnamed players had come forward in uh, this particular lawsuit. And in this particular lawsuit, we, we learned yesterday, actually, that uh, the person referred to as John Doe is actually Kyle Beach, who was a prospect for the Chicago Blackhawks, who had been called up during that 2010 Stanley Cup run. And uh, he was sexually assaulted by the team's uh, film coordinator or one of the film coaches for the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, and we don't need to get into the details that have been made pretty public. Uh, But the the fallout, I guess you could say, for the Blackhawks organization, now that it's becoming uh, picked up by mainstream media and, and the story is really starting to unfold, is pretty disgusting, okay? Uh, the the timeline of events. Uh, Kyle Beach ends up uh, being told by the uh, film coordinator um, Aldrich. I can't remember his first name, but it doesn't matter. Um, that he thinks that he can get him onto the playing roster, and for a young prospect, twenty years old, on a team that's in the Western Conference Finals at this point and on its way to the Stanley Cup, um, pretty excited and goes thinking that this is going to be a legitimate film review and, uh, you know, a plan to get him onto that playing roster is going to work out. He gets there. um, He's threatened. His position on the team is threatened and uh, he's kept from leaving and threatened with uh, violence, uh, actually with a weapon uh, and the assault and the sexual assault takes place. Uh, But he didn't, he didn't hold on to it for very long. He went and he did, um, you know, what so many victims are afraid to do when it comes to sexual assault, and rightfully so because of the way we treat sexual assault victims, but he, he came forward to his coach. He's a 20-year-old kid. Yes, he's an adult, but he's a 20-year-old kid, and he was afraid, and he was coerced by someone in a position of power, and then while there was, was assaulted. Um, he tells uh, his coach, his coach then brings it, kind of up the chain of command and uh and that's where the disgusting part happens and this is where we learn um stan bowman right son of the great scotty bowman just stepped down uh yesterday from his position uh as gm and uh the reason for it is because it's coming out now that he learned of this assault instructed the mental health uh, course or the mental peak performance coach of the team to meet with Kyle Beach 
and coerce him and convince him that it was his fault and that he should not report this to the police. Okay, while this was happening, um, and that was Jim Gary, who we, who we met with. While this is happening, uh, the, the upper brass, including the coach of the team, Joel Quenville, um, are all made aware of this assault uh, in a meeting whereby they deny it now, but witnesses at the meeting came out and said, paraphrasing to the point that Quenville said, uh, you know, we've come so far in the playoffs, we need to focus just on hockey. This will have to wait. Essentially saying, let's wait and allow this uh, predator to continue to fr freely roam around the facilities and, and be around his victim. Uh, then from there, and this is probably the, the part that really bothers me the most, they sit on it. They don't talk about it. They just sit on it. They do nothing. All the while, this arsehole is freely walking about the facility, his victim having to see him every day. And then they go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and we know they win. They win the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, four days after they win the Cup Final, well, actually, there was a meeting the day after to determine things, they brought Aldrich in, and they said, you can either resign uh, or we'll start an investigation. So he resigned and they buried it and they allowed him to take part in all the celebrations. He received a severance pay. He received his playoff bonus. He received a Stanley Cup ring and he received his day with the cup. And the worst part for me is his name is on the fucking Stanley Cup. All the while they knew he sexually assaulted one of their young prospects. The worst part about all of this, and the only reason that this has come to light, is because Aldrich then goes on to work with some AHL affiliates, but then finally settles on a high school hockey team where he sexually assaults players on that hockey team. And that's where he receives a, a criminal sentence. He ends up being charged criminally and is found guilty. And since then, that's where players that he's assaulted over the course of his time in these positions of power have started to come forward. Now there's obviously um, an ongoing uh, legal battle. The Blackhawks are doing everything they can to diminish the words of Kyle Beach to discredit him publicly. Stan Bowman stepped down. Um, Joel Quenville is still the coach behind uh, Florida's bench. Although he met with Gary Bettman today and nothing has come out. But if he's allowed to coach uh, anywhere in the NHL tomorrow or onwards, Gary Bettman should resign too. But there's a list of people that were in that room. And I'm going to read the list of names here. There's a list of people that were in the bloody room when the assault allegation came forward. And they knew it happened. They knew it happened because Aldrich said it was consensual. He didn't deny it. He said it was consensual. You, you guys all know this. You've been in the workforce for years. If you're in a position of authority, I'm a teacher, so I really friggin' know this. But if you're in a position of authority, there is no such thing as consensual. If you have a position of power over someone else, it can't be a consensual, intimate relationship. Just not possible, okay? This is worse than that. It was, it was violent sexual assault of a 20-year-old recruit uh, or prospect during a Stanley Cup run, this man had no dignity doing all of this, being a predator. For him, the most important thing was fulfilling his 
disgusting wants and needs, okay? And everyone else said more important than justice and safety of players is a Stanley Cup ring. So the following people are on my grinding beans list forever. At the time, President John McDonough, Senior Director of Hockey Administration, Al McIsaac, General Manager, Stan Bowman, Executive Vice President, Jay Blunk, Assistant General Manager, Kevin Chevodayarov, Head Coach, Joel Quenville, and Mental Skills Coach, Team Counselor, and person who coerced the victim into not going to see the police and blaming him for the assault, Jim Gary. The worst part about this is these idiots brought in a police officer, retired police officer, to ask him on his professional opinion, and he got up and said, you should pick up the phone and call the Chicago police right now. I'm recusing myself from this. I am not part of this organization. And they didn't do a bloody thing. I'm disgusted that they got away with this, and they're not, because I hope they all get a lifetime ban from the NHL. I hope that... Uh, Joel Quenville specifically gets it soon here. He should, I can't believe they allowed him to coach for Florida uh, before the meeting with Gary Bettman. That should be coming down the pipe shortly. And on top of that, I think at the end of the day, something's got to be put into place to protect people. And I think the disgusting thing is I've lost so much respect for their captain, Jonathan Taze. I've lost respect if I had any for Patrick Kane before, Duncan Keith as well. And people are probably saying, why? Why are you going to hate on the players? They all bloody knew. Every single player, Nick Boynton said it, uh, and it was quoted saying, every single player in that locker room knew what happened. And you think of all these big, tough hockey players love to drop the gloves and fight in a second. Their teammate was violently assaulted by some nerdy-ass film coordinator who uses position of power over him to rape him. And not one of these guys didn't drop him at all those events where alcohol was flowing. And this is the kicker. They knew he did this. They allowed him to go to the celebrations. And while at one of the celebrations, he molested a 22-year-old intern. Everyone that knew this happened and didn't do anything is disgusting. Vile. And that's what's grinding my beans, gentlemen. Totally understandable why your beans are ground so, so fine at this moment. Because, you know what? I'm not going to say anything right now. Kyle, what do you think of this situation? I, uh, I've got a, a few thoughts on the situation. And, uh, Kevin, I'm glad that you brought this up because, again, there's so much to, to dive into this story to just you know show everybody what the world of sports has come to where this type of event and this type of behavior is swept under the rug because a team wants to win and you know to add on to what you were talking about kevin the team president came in the day after the allegations were made addressed the team, addressed all of the executives, and said the situation has been handled. So what that meant, nobody knew. But apparently he came in, he, made, he assured the owner that everything had been handled and there was not going to be you know, any, any fallout from the situation. 
Number two, you talked about everything that this video coordinator was able to get, you know, post this event. The thing that really upsets me the most is that he was given a letter of recommendation when he was applying for not only high schools, but for the USA Developmental Program. He was given a letter of recommendation from the Chicago Blackhawks organization. So for anyone who is trying to say we had no idea, we didn't know what was going on, there is a letter out there right now from Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville recommending that this gentleman you know, be put forward for these positions. So again, I bring it back to what some people will do in order to achieve what they deem to be success in the sports world. And I mean, in any, any walk of life, it goes beyond, you know, it goes beyond fathom that this is now deemed acceptable because again, you're seeing this happen more and more. You know, we talk about the USA gymnastics scandal. You look at everything that happened, unfortunately, with the Penn State situation. Like, how many people knew about these things? How many people covered it up? Like, when is it going to be enough where now you're ruining people's lives over a fucking game? That's all I have to say. And I totally agree with you. And to, to extend on that, the fact that he got the letter of recommendation, that means that the people who were privy to everything that happened, they are also responsible for the fact that he continued to sexually assault other people. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, so I, 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 I totally feel as though they, they should be held accountable partially for that as well. 100%. And it's disgusting. And, it's it's like it's almost like right now in the world it's like we're living through a, a a period of revelations you know what i mean first it was john gruden and then there's this situation now and honestly i'm like right now i'm just thinking to myself what's next what's next like just it's like sports the the the, the ugly side of the sports culture is coming to light more and more and more and more and more on a daily basis and it, it, it makes you nervous. It makes you nervous. It makes you think of all, you know, your famous, your, your, your favorite players growing up and, you know, the teams that you love growing up, like, what are we going to hear about them? You know what I mean? So it, it, it is, it is nuts to think that that many people knew what happened and did nothing about it. That is insane. And, and like we've seen time and time again, the truth comes out, man. The truth comes out. We, we like whether it takes five years, ten years, twelve years, twenty years. The truth comes out. It comes out. Like look at look at uh, um, Aaron Hernandez, right? We a lot of people didn't know. Like Kyle, you probably knew, but a lot of people didn't know about his extracurricular activities when he was at the University of Florida. Most people didn't know until he actually committed, you know, a significant crime. Not to say the one at Florida wasn't but one that made national headlines. So 
you know, if anything, if, if I'm a sports team, and like uh, I think uh, Kev and uh, Kyle, we were talking about this earlier with um, um, so I'm wanting an inquiry into the culture of uh, the Washington football team. You know, that if I'm the NFL, for example, like I know we're talking about NHL, but NFL, NHL, whatever, st- yo, start doing investigations now to get ahead of it because it's going to look so bad when all these situations keep coming out. And you're going to be, and they start saying, Hey, I had no idea. I had no, now saying I had no idea doesn't cut it. Right. Cause what are you going to say? Yeah. Cause what are you going to say to those parents who had a, who had one of their kids sexually assaulted? You're going to say, Oh, I had no idea. Even though you did have an idea. Right. But go ahead, Kev, you were going to say something. No, I, well, in terms of those, those high school parents whose, whose children were assaulted, their innocence taken away and their love for a game taken away because of this predator. I, I'm going to go out and say, this is Chicago. And this is why all of them should be facing some kind of criminal charge. At the very least, the civil suit should bankrupt the team in my opinion, but they, they didn't just kick the problem down the road. They kicked the problem down the road at kids. They, they literally said, you know what? We don't want to deal with this anymore. We'll give him unfettered access to an even more impressionable group that is, uh, you know, more vulnerable. It's disgusting. And, and I mean, I take it to heart, this situation, just probably because of my career and what I do, like we, we undergo training to help us identify if a kid is a victim of this. And we also undergo training to help us identify if our colleagues are predators. Like it's not enough for like every adult should be actively trying to protect kids. But I think every adult should be actively trying to weed out predators like this person. And when they see something amiss, in my opinion, it's not call your supervisor. Like that's the part that pisses me off the most here. The kid reached out to the coach, Mm -hmm. right? Not Joel Quemble, his positional coach. And then that coach then kicked it up the chain of command. There's no chain of command when a crime has happened. There's only a phone and 911 or the non-emergency line to report the crime. You're it. When the victim has told you that, there and it's easier with kids in the sense that there's a law called duty to report that if someone under the age of 16 has, if there's a crime that's been committed against them, if you feel that they're in danger, you have a duty to report, a legal obligation. It's not even like a good Samaritan law. It's that if something happened to that kid and you could have prevented it, you're on the hook. So you have to call children's aid and report it. That's on you. So for me, from this perspective, there's just such a long list of absolute fuckwits that all they had to do is pick up the phone and end it. But not a single one of them had, I don't even want to say courage because it shouldn't take courage to call the police on a sexual predator. But anyways, you can see my, my beans are grinded and I'm disgusted by it. But at the end of the day, I hope Gary Bettman steps in and does the right thing here and fires the whole lot of them, bans them from the NHL for good, and tells the Blackhawks that you're settling. There's no discrediting the, the victims. End it. Not to mention the NHLPA. Some of them do too. A hundred percent. And their job is workplace safety. 
for these people, for these players. Yep. Absolutely. A horrible culture that needs to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my kids will never play hockey. Uh, neither will mine. I, I I tell them all the time. They're like, oh, dad, maybe I can play hockey. I'm like, nah, you Haitian, you can't skate. Shut up. I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. <laughs> well, my kids aren't Haitian, but they probably can't. Aren't they, though? Aren't they? <laughs> Actually, yeah, they had griots before their third birthday. <laughs> yo, so. yo, if people don't know about Grio, Grio's serious. You need to Google See, that That's shit. the type of thing that we can have a grinding bean session and uh, what Haitian food should we be making session? Yeah. That would be you perfect. Know that, you know that Haitians would take those ground beans and make something delicious with it. I, I know. You would find a way to marinate a pork, uh, some kind of cut of pork in the beans for like 12 hours and then mix it with some kind of lime There'd be, uh, there'd definitely be some mustard in there, a Jamaican variety, probably, or a, or a jerk variety, I should say. What, what we'll and, do is uh, we'll we'll have a cultural night. Well, we're we'll all make delicacies from our from our heritage, and nice. uh, <laughs> I'm Irish, so boiled potatoes <laughs> for all. I love it. I love it. I brought one turnip. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I love it. Um, I, I know it's tough to, to move on from such a, a, a very a serious topic, but it's very easy when I when I see when I'm looking at Kyle, looking as yoked as he does right now, looking all jacked, one day removed from his birthday. So uh, we're gonna introduce a segment called Clutch Keys. Okay, the reason I I wanted to come up with this topic is because. I am not ashamed to say that Kyle taught me how to play fantasy football. So as much as I hate making deals with him, he taught me how to play the game. So with that being said, I think that people can benefit from his insight when it comes to who to dress, who not to dress. So he's going to hit us with his must starts and his must sits. So clutch keys, take it away. Clutch. Thank you, Jethro. And uh, again, very, uh, very happy to be talking about something that's not hosting the show for a week. So, I mean, this is this is kind of weird, but it's actually, you know, it's meshing very well with, uh, I mean, like, I, like I told you, I, I was looking forward to this the second that we went over the three hour mark with our broadcast last Saturday night. So anyways, so uh, I, I decided to take it a little bit different than I think what Jethro was intending here. But the of reason for it, you'll understand. So <laughs> the, the three people who I'm going to identify as being your must starts, they're not going to be your typical, like, you know, I'm not going to tell you that you need to dress Derrick Henry. I'm not going to tell you that you need to dress Jamar Chase. That's a given. Everybody knows that. And then for must sits, I'm going to give you those guys that, well, oh, I got to start this guy because, you know, he's my number one guy. Well, you know what? This week, he's not going to be your number one guy. So anyways. To start off, we're going to jump over to the three must-start players this week. So my first one is uh, Mr. Kenneth Gainwell from Philadelphia. So he's a rookie running back who has now taken on the starting role this weekend against the Detroit Lions due to an injury to Miles Sanders. 
Miles Sanders is going to be week to week. So again, Kenneth Gainwell could be making some noise, not only this week, but in future weeks to come. So anybody looking at picking up a running back on the waiver wire, if he's still available, go and do so. The reason I picked Kenneth Gainwell is because he's already making an impact on that offense with catching the ball out of the backfield. And he's shown a burst whenever he's been given a run. Now, why would I pick a running back from Philadelphia given their running struggles so far this season? Well, I already hit on it. Kenneth Gainwell catches the ball better than most running backs coming out of the backfield. Who gives up a ton of passing yards? The Detroit Lions. Guess what's going to happen when Philadelphia takes on Detroit? Philadelphia doesn't like to run the ball. They're going to throw the ball. Kenneth Gainwell's looking at a double-digit target day, along with, I want to say, a good 10 to 15 carries. So whenever you can put the ball in running back's hands 20 to 25 times, you're going to look at success. So Kenneth Gainwell is my number one. Number two, this, this one's kind of, you know, it's a given, but he's had a few down weeks, and I'm looking for him to bounce back in a very, very big way this weekend. And that's Stefan Diggs. So the Buffalo Bills are taking on the Miami Dolphins. And as we've seen, Buffalo tends to play down to their competition's level. Miami tends to get involved in shootouts every week. What is this a recipe for? A ton of yards, a ton of offense, and who's going to be the benefactor of Josh Allen really stretching the ball down the field? Mr. Stefan Diggs. I'm looking for a massive game out of Diggs this weekend. So if you have him in fantasy, you're probably already starting him, but he's got to be in your lineup, even if you're debating it for one second. And my last must start of the week, this is a guy who's been coming, who's coming off an injury. He's been out for the majority of the season so far. But apparently he looks fantastic in practice. And before he got hurt, he was absolutely lights out. And, I'm, you know, we were speaking about Haitian culture. So I felt I found it very apropos to talk about, you know, a Haitian in Mr. Jerry Judy with Denver. So the Denver offense has been flying you know, on all cylinders from a passing perspective, when you look at their last four to five weeks, Teddy Bridgewater is actually playing the best ball of his career. Noah Fant is having some up and down games, but he's been fairly consistent. And Cortland Sutton has been absolutely tearing it up so far this season. Now you add in a Jerry Judy to jump in there. There's going to be single coverage. You've got single coverage on Cortland Sutton. You've got single coverage on Noah Fant. Now you have single coverage on Jerry Judy. I'm looking for Jerry Judy to catch minimum eight balls this weekend so if you have jerry judy on your team and you don't have anyone better in the starting lineup you need to have jerry judy dressed in every sense so those are my three must starts this weekend my three duds again we're going with the non-obvious ones because these are these are guys that you probably picked in the first second third rounds that you're probably going to want to run out there every week but I will issue some caution with these three gentlemen coming up. The first being Mr. James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The reason that I'm picking Mr. James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars is because of what we saw on Monday night from the Seattle Seahawks defense. Jethro, you are an Alvin Kamara owner in fantasy in multiple leagues. How did that stack up for you outside of the passing game with Alvin Kamara? Yeah, thank God he can catch the ball. (laughs) You know what? Seattle's defense has been surprisingly good the last three to four weeks, especially against the run. 
So when I look at what Jacksonville is going to try to do, they are going to try and set the run early, but given Seattle's success against that, they're probably going to come up with a very good game plan to shut down the running game early and make Trevor Lawrence beat them. Because as we've seen with rookie quarterbacks this season, they're prone to turnovers. So if I'm Seattle, I'm selling out against the run. I'm trying to stop um, James Robinson at all costs and put it all on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders, which I think they're going to, which I think that they're going to do. Number two, Kev, you're not going to like this one because I know that you've got this guy in one of your lineups, Ezekiel Elliott. Now this comes this comes with a caveat. So. Dak Prescott is questionable for this weekend. If Dak Prescott plays, I think that Ezekiel Elliott will have a bad game. If he doesn't play, then I think that Ezekiel Elliott will have a good game because they're going to rely heavily on the run game. But we're going to assume that Dak Prescott is playing this weekend. The reason why I don't think that Ezekiel Elliott is going to have an impact in that game against Minnesota is because there's so many weapons on that Dallas offense and Dak Prescott has come out of the gates flying from a passing perspective. And what's the one thing that Minnesota has had a trouble stopping this entire season, the pass, they get overwhelmed, especially when you've got those three receivers with Cooper lamb and uh, apparently Michael Gallup might start this week too. So again, we're looking at adding another weapon into that offense and you've got the double tight ends with Schultz and Jarwin, who are absolutely tearing it up. Plus, you know, you've got the backup with Tony Pollard, who looks like he's getting more, you know, more play in the passing game. So if it turns into a shootout, like I think it's going to between those two teams, I'm looking for Ezekiel Elliott to be kind of the forgotten man in that whole Dallas offense. And my final, do not dress this weekend if you don't have a choice. Nick Chubb from the Cleveland Browns. So again, I mentioned Jerry Judy's coming off an injury. I really like him. Nick Chubb's coming off an injury. Why don't I like him? Well, because Nick Chubb is coming off of a very serious calf injury that has kept him out the last couple of weeks. Another reason why I don't think he's going to get as much run this weekend is twofold. One, they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Very good against the run. And two, anybody who watched the Thursday night game last week and to Ernest Johnson's absolute legendary night against Denver, you know that he's going to earn himself more carries and more touches, especially with Kareem Hunt out. They're going to look to fill that role with the Ernest Johnson. I'm looking for Nick Chubb probably to get his carries cut in half just to ease him back into game flow. But you got a tough run defense, and you've got a really, really good running back who's breathing down your neck who they're probably going to want to keep riding as, as long as he's uh, staying hot, so to speak. So those are my three do not uh, do not starts this weekend. And Jet, that's clutch with keys. Ooh, I like it. it. I love it. I love it. We might we might have to uh, see if uh, people start you know flooding the website asking for uh, more clutch with keys. You know what I'm saying? So. Except, except I, I'm I have shares of Nick Chubb, so I didn't. Like I know that you do. I wanted but, to I wanted to include both you guys in this segment, so it was good. You know, I, I made sure I, I tracked down some guys on both your rosters. Well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Just going to take a quick break from the action. Let you know that FrontOfficePodcast.com is live for all podcast content, show information. 
downloadable content, a little bit of light reading, as well as information about all of our podcast partners and upcoming live shows, go visit frontofficepodcast.com for all your sports and podcasting needs. And now, back to the show. So, um, you know, so far, so good. Can't complain. Thank you for the, you know, clutch keys or keys, you know, clutch with keys. That was a dope segment. Like I said, I think that may end up being a regular thing or might just be something you might have to add to the website. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. But before we move on to our main topic, um, I almost forgot what got me into this situation in the first place, <laughs> our weird weekly wager. And this week, Kev, you and I are up. And I've thought about this. And here's what I'm thinking, if you agree. So there is a UFC title fight this weekend. Okay. Uh, we have Jan, uh, was it Jan Blahovic versus Glover Teixeira for the light heavyweight title this weekend. I will let you pick. You could pick whoever you want. And I know when I pick, when I let you pick whoever you want, I usually don't do well, but it's all good. You could pick whomever you want, whom you think is going to win. Here is the bet. Because it's Halloween this weekend, the loser has to go to Dollarama and buy the winner $25 worth of candy of their choosing and drop it off at their house. I love it. I, I actually thought you were going to say the loser has to go trick-or-treating. <laughs> <laughs> that like that, that would have been good, too. And I think we're going to go on another level here, Jethro, and I know you're the host, but it's also my wager. I don't agree with the terms. I think the loser has to go trick-or-treating and has to video themselves going to one house at least and share it with everyone else in this group so Kyle can put it on the website. That, okay. is that has okay. to be the wager. $25 okay. of candy sounds great, but I, I don't need any more candy in my house when I win this bet. What okay. I need <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> you going trick-or-treating in your new neighborhood. That has, to, that has to be what I'm going for here. Does the person have to wear a costume? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Man. If I just put a mask on, could I be a luchador? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but oh, hold on. Do we should we say Kyle gets to pick our outfit? Oh, oh, don't do that. Come on, don't 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 do that, Skip. Don't 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 do that, Skip. So, so I, I let me let me. I'll throw something out there, and you guys can you know agree with me, or if you don't like it, you throw it away. Right. So the loser. I will go and pick up a costume at Party City or Dollarama or whatever, and I will bring it to your house, and you will only have to wear it for one house. So I'll go and pick it up. Again, it's not going to be like an elaborate costume. Let's set the limit at like five bucks. I'll go and buy a five or, you know, sorry. The show will fund a $5 outfit for the loser to go and trick-or-treat, go trick-or-treating at one house. Okay. Uh, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> I love this so much. 
<laughs> oh, I'm so happy you piped up, Kyle. Because like $25 of candy, I'm going to have enough candy here. My kids are just going to notice their pile of candy getting smaller and smaller by the day. So I don't need candy here. What I need is a video of this. <laughs> All right. Well, and I, since you've been such a gentleman here and you've decided to let me choose, I think we both know who I'm going to go with here, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, the John Blauchowitz. <laughs> I think good, if he can going, beat uh, Adesanya, he should be able to beat uh, someone named Grover. But you're going to go with the legendary Polish power? <laughs> Polish power. <laughs> Okay, so you're taking Jan Blachowicz, and the wager is you have to wear a costume funded by the show to trick-or-treat at at least one house, so let's put it on the board. Hushmazilla. Hushmazilla, lock it up. I I think this is great fun. (laughs) Yeah. This is great fun for all. This This is awesome. It's, it's really <laughs> a bit scared. Oh my god! So, continuing on the tangent of complete fuckery, today's topic will be dedicated to absolute foolishness. So, inspired by Evander Kane attempting to fake a COVID certificate to get out of getting vaccinated with the San Jose Sharks. Yep. And is now suspended for 21 games, which is a quarter of the season, essentially. More than a quarter of the season. We we will be talking about the dumbest, most asinine decisions made by athletes off the field or off your field of play. So, Kyle. Hit me with your best shot to start. Well, I've got several, but I just want to comment on Evander Kane. You know, this guy is just a glutton for buffoonery. I mean, I mean, you you can't make up the shit that he does. It's it's getting to a point of ridiculousness. But I mean, the fact that he's trying to forge a document to hand into a league that obviously we've seen has some flaws. But you, how do you think you're going to get away with that, you idiot? <laughs> Anyways, um, so the first one I'm going to bring up, it's actually uh, one from my favorite, uh, my favorite football team. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because it's, it's actually so ridiculous and it's stupid and it happened to a kicker. So 2009, former Pittsburgh Steeler Jeff Reed is at a restaurant with his wife having, a, having dinner. Jeff goes to the bathroom decides to, you know, wash his hands like most clean people would do. And he goes to the towel dispenser to get uh, get some get some towels out to dry his hands. Only problem is, the towel dispenser doesn't have the paper towels that he wants to use. So what does he do? Does he go talk to the manager? No. Does he talk to, you know, the the person in the bathroom who's going to give you some of the towels and the mints and everything? No. Jeff decides to rip the paper towel dispenser off the wall and kick it into the mirror of the bathroom in anger, destroying the mirror and the paper towel dispenser. The funny part about the whole, all this situation is that 
Jeff gets cited for disorderly conduct and damage of property under $2,000. So he has to spend the night in jail and he gets suspended for the next week by the team for conduct detrimental to the team. So Jeff, what are you doing, man? It's a paper towel dispenser. It's not going to give you the thing that you want just because you ask it to press the button, dry your hands and fuck off and go home. Anyways, that's my first idiot story of the week. Jeff Reed, Pittsburgh. Kev, you're up. What you got? Okay, so mine, mine's a, I think everyone remembers this name from the uh, early 90s for us, but he was, his heyday was in the 80s. But the fall of the once great Lenny Dykstra. If you don't know about nails, you probably remember him as a baseball player, but it's his antics off the field, specifically once he retired from the sport of baseball, uh, which was due to multiple drunk driving incidents where he injured himself in accidents by wrapping his expensive cars around trees. But for some reason, Lenny Dykstra, uh, having uh, a net worth of about $58 million and living in Wayne Gretzky's uh, old mansion um, looked like he was going to be a, a financial whiz kid uh, in retirement, but unfortunately, his temper, his um, substance abuse issues, led to a couple of failed business ventures. He had one successful business venture. He had a chain of car washes, and he took the money from that and tried to parlay it into something else. Um, specifically, if you remember it, they called it the Players Club. And it was basically a concierge service for professional athletes. So he went after the one uh, group in society who knew him well enough to know, don't give Lenny Dykstra your money. Um, and uh, he lost most of his net worth as a result. Uh, his violence and his temper led to a failed marriage that uh, wiped out a little bit more of his, um, his personal uh, bank account, I guess you'd say. And then eventually he became this giant stock investor that people actually sought advice from. Um, he was big on stock and options. And uh, for some reason, it seemed like he was, he was worth it. He was worth going to and paying money for financial advice. And he actually had a pretty good portfolio uh, until the 2009 recession, uh, where he lost every dime he ever made and he went from living in Wayne Gretzky's mansion to bankruptcy and sleeping in an office and the sad thing about Lenny Dykstra is along the way and actually I have a list of all of the money he owed to people he had an out uh, outstanding debt of 12.9 million uh, to Washington Mutual which is now JP Morgan Chase 4.2 million uh, of unsecured debt to Bank of America and Countrywide in credit cards. He had three and a half million owed uh, to Rockridge, Rockbridge Bank, another two and a half million to uh, two real estate people from Calabasas, California, another one and a half million to uh, Santa Monica Law Firm, 1.1 million to United Commercial Bank, uh, another million to a private jet company, and half a million dollars to the California State Labor Department's Enforcement Unit. And why did he have the last one? Well, because he had people that worked under him. And aside from assaulting them in the workplace, he also refused to pay them. 
Um, and then, of course, he got tied up in the uh, Mitchell report, which was the steroid scandal that kind of blew the lid off of uh, the 80s and 90s heydays of steroid use in uh, Major League Baseball. And uh, last we knew of Lenny Dykstra, or rather towards the end of everything, they found him living in his car. He had no home, no family, no job. And sadly, in the case of someone who uh, didn't pay back his debts, had a pension for punching people in the face that he was friends with or family with while drunk uh, and basically having a bad temper all around, he had no friends. So for me, probably one of the biggest knuckleheads filled with tomfoolery in his personal life was Lenny Nails Dykstra. Nice, nice, Lenny Dykstra. So, um, <laughs> the the person that popped into mind immediately when we when we you know decided okay this is the topic we're going to talk about is I want to reference Eight Mile by Eminem and one of his good friends, Cheddar Bob. But Cheddar Bob also played in the what, NFL. What the fuck with us? The new- Fuck with us, yeah? Fuck with us, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Chet and Bob also played for the New York Giants, but went by the name Plaxico Burris. Call him Mozzarella Plex. (laughs) (laughs) Who couldn't play in a game, but decided, hey, I'm going to go to the club in Manhattan with a gun, wearing joggers. Nothing can go wrong. Absolutely nothing can go wrong. And then proceeds to shoot himself in the leg. Now, that is not just stupid, but it's hilarious. Thank God he didn't hit a main artery because that would have been disastrous. And the thing about the Plexigo Burris situation is kind of like when I see physical comedy on television. As long as I know they didn't die, I will laugh every single time. So the fact that he shot himself in the leg is just hilarious to me. And especially given the fact that it was a week where he couldn't play due to injury. He ended up shooting himself in the leg. But, you know, um, what, what else you got, Kevin? Let's, let's circle back. What, what else so, you got, so, so before we go back to Kevin, I just want to add in, you want to know what the absolute funniest part about that whole thing is? Go ahead. The gun didn't have a license to it. So Plexigo Burris actually went to jail because he was carrying an unlicensed weapon. So not only That's... are you adding insult to injury, you're adding jail time to, in- to, to injury. And he missed two years of professional football while he was in prison. <laughs> wow. Was he treated by the prison doctor? Or? No idea. That's funny. That's funny. Kev, go ahead. Okay, well, uh, I think this name is probably synonymous with athletes behaving poorly and uh, all around stupidly off of uh, off the field, or in this case, the canvas. I'm talking about, uh, of course, everyone's favorite, Mike Tyson. Um for those that aren't aware, Mike Tyson rose to um, the height of boxing supremacy as the heavyweight champion of the world 
at such a young age and he was this ferocious fighter in his prime and while he was in his prime um he dabbled in some uh, illegal substances and some duis but it was um rape and domestic assault that uh, eventually had him thrown in prison uh, while in prison uh, i guess you can imagine he was a bit of a celebrity there uh, and his his celebrity status kind of grew while he was in prison by the time he came out everyone wanted to watch mike tyson fight and his fights lasted maybe eight seconds because the uh, marshmallows they lined up for him to fight weren't exactly the greatest and this is back at like 95 96 i can't remember the year off the top of my head but uh the uh, two matches he had against evander holyfield go down to some of the highest rated boxing matches on pay-per-view in history at the time it was the most watched pay-per-view boxing matches in history um but he blew through and i guess i've got a theme for stupid athletes here he blew through 300 million dollars of his uh, total career earnings in the time he started boxing to the time he retired, he blew through $300 million. Now he's managed to uh, make a lot of money back because of his celebrity status and people love hearing Mike Tyson, but uh, you know, there's obviously an undiagnosed uh, mental health issue there. I think he's been open about that in the past um, and that he's dealt with anger management issues from a, you know, a very, sordid past in the way he was taken advantage of in his youth by people like Don King. But Mike Tyson in the prime of his career could have built, uh, well, he already has a pretty impressive resume, but could have built, uh, you know, an awesome legendary hall of fame career without any of the uh, raised eyebrows that came out of it. And certainly going to prison wasn't what you need to do in the middle of your prime. So Mike Tyson's another one stands out for me. I bet you don't say that to his face. No, I would hug him. <laughs> in fairness, in fairness here, I use him here because he does so much. But like Mike Tyson's been a hero of mine for a long time. And it's weird to say that I see him as a role model because you know he's been to prison. He's done those things. But in my opinion, he's paid his debt to society. But the way he approached fighting, I, I, I think we all try to embody someone's mentality, a professional athlete's mentality. When we're kids and we're playing, I used to love, there was a picture of him in Maxim Magazine just staring into the camera and like that used to give me goosebumps. So he's definitely someone I'd love to get an autograph from. And if you wanted me to give that opinion to his face, I wouldn't. Uh, and I bet even if I asked him for an autograph and told him I loved him, I'd still be worried he might punch me. Just so we're clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Kyle, Kyle, what you got? What you got? Mike Tyson's such a nice guy. He's a sweetheart. I think he's mean. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. If you want to hear more about Mike Tyson, just go back to our last episode where we talked about the goats since Muhammad Ali and put him in bracket form to see who would win. I highly suggest it. Go check it out on the website. <laughs> Absolutely. Look at Jet even plugging other episodes of the show. He's yeah, getting the groove here, everybody. He's getting the groove. Yes. So, it's not so, groove. It's spice, it's spice rum, baby. Spice rum. It's, it's kicking in. It's kicking in. <laughs> so oh, oh, this is my time to do gummies, right? 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so I have uh, I have two, but one of them is a little appetizer, little aperitif, and then I've got my my main one afterwards. So the first one's really funny. 1997, former baseball player Marty Cordova missed two weeks of the baseball season. Why? Because he fell asleep in a tanning bed and suffered second degree burns all over his body. <laughs> wow. 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 Like, I, I mean, how, how do you explain that to, to the team? <laughs> oh, I, I, got, I got all these burns around my body, but my eyeballs are white. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh man! All right. So again, that was just a little a little teaser. My my main point, and Jed, I was going to bring up the Plexico Burris instant, but I I knew that one of you was going to do it. But this one, Kev, I I know you used to love this guy, and his fall from his time at the top is one for the record books. I'm talking about Maurice Claret. Yes. So, for those of you who don't know who Maurice Claret was, he was an All-American freshman running back for the national champion Ohio State Buckeyes in 2002. After they won the national championship, Maurice Claret tried to go against the NFL and NCAA rules to enter the NFL draft. He proceeded to file lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit against the NFL, claiming that it was unconstitutional for him to have to wait three years before entering the draft. In the meantime, Maurice could have gone back to play another season, you know, to keep fresh with his football skills, to train with Ohio State, to keep himself in good shape. What did Maurice do? Of course, he quit the Ohio State football team. Maurice went and didn't hire an agent. Who did he go with? Oh, he just got tied in with the Israeli mob. <laughs> he was living in a mob house that was guarded 24-7 by bodyguards armed with machetes and, <laughs> and machine guns. Where did Maurice Claret train, you say? Well, Maurice Claret would go and jog on the beach twice a week what did he do for weight training well he didn't believe in weight training so he just did push-ups for two years this is what this man did trying to get into the nfl while going through lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit so now you're trying to you're really pissing off the people that you're trying to get into their league so does Maurice claret pay any consequence for that not really, because what happens to Maurice Claret? He gets drafted in the third round of the 2005 draft by Denver. Denver is a safe haven for running backs everywhere. If you can walk and breathe, you will rush for 1,000 yards in the 1990 and early 2000s Denver running game. Maurice Claret's going to a great situation. Maurice Claret, I, sh I should backtrack. So before he gets drafted, Maurice Correct goes to the combine. 
He refuses to run, a la Jerry Seinfeld, in Seinfeld. Maurice, you're going to run a 40? No. Why not? Because I choose not to run. <laughs> Maurice Claret then says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to run a 40. What does he run? A 495. Anyone who doesn't know what that number means, it's not good, especially for a Heisman candidate running back who is potentially going to be a very high draft pick. You've had two years to refine these skills. Clearly, he didn't do anything. While Maurice Claret reports to training camp, Mike Shanahan, the head coach, assigns team members, or sorry, uh, team staffers to pick up Maurice Claret, make sure he gets to practice on time, make sure he doesn't go out to party, basically doing what any good coach would do and taking care of an athlete who has some trouble, making sure that they have what they need. Maurice Claret shows up to the first day of practice. He's carrying his own Gatorade bottle. He goes to sit next to not just any player on the Denver Broncos, but Hall of Fame candidate, team captain, and NFLP representative for the, uh, for the Broncos, Rod Smith. Sits next to Rod Smith not for veteran advice on how to get through training camp or what to prepare for for the season, but to brag to him that he doesn't drink from the team water bottles because he needs to get his goose on while he's playing. Sure. <laughs> Reese Claret is drinking Gatorade and vodka, apparently his whole playing career. So now this gets back to the team. And Maurice Claret is promptly cut. Why is this hilarious? Well, because as a third-round pick, you should have some guaranteed money in your contract, right? But guess what? Maurice Claret doesn't have an agent. He's represented by Israeli mobsters. So they negotiated in his contract that he will get bonuses based on his performance because he's going to light the league on fire. He has zero, zero guaranteed money coming in. And as soon as he is cut, there's no risk for the Broncos. Maurice Claret then never seen again on a football field. So that is buffoonery off the field at its finest. I love that when you said zero, before you said zero, you said it like a Russian boss. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, know, you know how much money you get Zero. 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 <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw one last quick one at you because, guys, we could talk about this all night. Because, hey, you know what? Not to pick on athletes, but athletes, they, they're special. They're special people. They're special people. That is what know. it is. <laughs> two, two, thing, two things I want to mention. Now, Evander Kane, I, I have to say this. The fact that he married someone, okay, who admitted, yeah, my husband bets on games that he plays in, <laughs> speaks volumes to this man's intelligence. That's the keeper that you chose to be your partner. Just putting it out there, okay? Just putting it out there. I'm sure she's a swell lady, but you don't tell people that your husband bets on games that he's playing in. 
Ask her if she to just Google Pete Rose. Just put it out there. Okay. Now, this the short one that I want to mention is any athlete, and listen, people can come at me if they want. Any athlete that tries to settle down with an Instagram model, you're an idiot. You're a buffoon. <laughs> I like there's nothing else to be said. PJ Washington, for example who got with Brittany Renner. P.J. Washington is a forward, played for Kentucky, and, um, sorry, played for Kentucky, and it got drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, I believe. I believe it's Charlotte. And she proceeded to marry the dude, get knocked up, two weeks after the baby was born, filed for divorce. Now, Here's what makes the situation even more interesting, okay? Or hilarious, depending on how you look at it. She had a video that she made years prior to being with PJ Washington. And she said, just fucking athlete. They're hella dumb and they never wear a rubber. She made a video and told you what she was going to do. And you still did it. That is the epitome of buffoonery. But you know what? I take it back. That's not the epitome of buffoonery. Because now he's on the hook for child uh, support with her, who's an IG model. And who is he dating now? Another IG model. (laughs) So in that case... We can't feel bad for you anymore, man. We can't feel bad. We could say, you know, with the first case, we could be like, you know what? He's a young kid. Oh, by the way, she's like eight years older than him, too, which is hilarious. So it's funny that you mentioned this story, too, because isn't LaMelo Ball going through the same thing? Yep. Like the exact same thing. Like, like yep. 10 years older than him. She's yep. pregnant, apparently, with his kid. Yep. She's going to take all his shit. I love, I, you know what? I just, I love it because I love how they just say, I didn't see this coming. The theme of this, the theme of this week is, I didn't see anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Can I throw this name in there? Because in my head, because you got me thinking about a time time frame Kyle and it's like 2005-2006 when Maurice Claret was last relevant in terms of sports and uh, goes to jail for three and a half years um, do you remember when the Detroit Tigers um, had a pitcher named Joel Zumaya do you remember that name Yep. who uh, he got into this video game we all really enjoyed called Guitar Hero for Playstation 2 and he played it so much that he developed a forearm injury that would be consistent with someone who plays guitar 24-7. And as a result, he missed three games of the ALCS. And then eventually he had to stop playing the game so he could play in the World Series where he went 0 for 1 uh, with uh, 3.0 ERA in, uh, in three appearances. And the Tigers, of course, lost that um, World Series, as we all recall. Yeah. Um, but 
He got injured <laughs> playing fucking Guitar Hero and sat out during the And you know what? We had a few nights where we stayed up to like five in the morning. Like the sun was coming up and we were playing Guitar Hero. But none of us were pitching in the World Series the next day. So it was understandable. Well, to be fair, we started playing it at 3 a.m. When we, when we got home from the bar. So... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We weren't playing playing that long. We just started it late. So. So again, I'm going to throw one last name. We're not going to talk about it because it'll literally be an entire episode on itself. But I think you know now that I'm thinking about it, the winner and king buffoon of off the field, off the court, off the ring, fuck ups, John Jones. Oh, oh God. God. So that's next week's episode: so, the fall of John Jones. You know what? <laughs> Let's actually look at doing that for a future episode is the life and times of John Jones and why he should be the greatest combat sports, you know, tactician of all time and why he's not. I think that's an interesting one. 30 is going to be amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Oh man. But anyways, guys, uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. I hope I don't lose any bets in the near future where I have to do that again, but it was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Uh, thank you. Uh, keys for clutch keys. I'm sure people will be using that to make some monies. And I really do think that it should be a regular segment or at least part of a newsletter uh, on, the, on the website. I think people would appreciate that. And as usual, everyone loves, you know, our favorite angry segment of grinding beans. And uh, yeah, this spice rum is really starting to hit me now. <laughs> uh, make sure you have some of it before you go trick or treating on Sunday. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, keep talking that. Sh- keep talking that poo poo. Keep talking that poo poo. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know what, Jed? Uh, you, you you did a great job, man. I uh, I, I yeah, thought it was going to be a rough one with that start that we had, but you uh, you got your composure together and uh, you you actually you took it home, man. So no, that was good. Very good job. Well, I learned I learned from the best, and and I work with uh, two of the best yahoos in show business. Hey, good job, Jet. I will say, uh, way way like the bar was low already for <laughs> what I expected from you, but you surpassed it. And I, you know what? Next time that you do host, we'll have to put that bar up there. I'm impressed. Yeah. I am. Well, well, that's cool. That's cool. You so know what I'm not that- impressed with? This Thursday night game in regards to the guys I have playing in fantasy football. Oh, tell my you that. God. This complete caca. Through here. <laughs> Man, I got Kyler and friggin' Hopkins is already out for the rest of the game. Well, uh, yeah. Anyways, we'll, uh, we won't get into that. But uh, let's just say Robert Tanya and Kyler Murray, get your shit together. Let's freaking go. <laughs> But with that said, once again, do not forget to order your food from the Smoke Shack and shout out to the BTP Smokehouse. Yes, there you go. And shout out to Human 2.0. We have you covered if you need to have your body fixed. So with that being said, make sure you check it out. Make sure you check out the website. Make sure to tell your friends. Because, hey, if you don't tell your friends about the front office podcast, you're basically an asshole. Just going to put it Well, not basically. You are. You definitely are. Well, I was trying to be politically correct. (laughs) So, with that being said, for Kev, good night. And Keys, 
Take it away, baby. Later, bitches. Hell of a show. Hell of a show.